Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Girl said you hallelujah. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Cause uptown funk don't give it to you. Saturday night and we in the spot. Don't believe me, just watch. Everybody, welcome again to another episode of the Softy and Hawk Blogger podcast. Woohoo! <laughs> There's so yeah, baby. right now. You have no idea. It's 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 crazy. Uh, with me as always, cheering uh, himself and myself on, uh, <laughs> as well as the Seahawks, is Dave Softy Mahler over at KJR AM 950 on your radio dial um, at Softy KJR on Twitter. How you doing, dude? I'm good. And you know what? If nobody will root for us, uh, then you and I will root for ourselves, pal. So go, Brian. Go, Softy, baby. We I just got to. And I've asked you this before. How do I get that cool background thing that you have going on there? Like, how do I get access to that? Well, you're you're doing this on your iPad, aren't you? Not yeah, your. It's a little harder on that. But but uh, uh, if you do it on your laptop, I'll get you this. You just make it your background, and you're all set. But that, I think that's probably too much work for you. For, yeah, probably. I don't I don't have the tech savvy that uh, Brian has. So I'll just sit here with my uh, boring little office background on my boring little iPad. Well, Brian has his contraptions out and his wacky, crazy, technologically advanced background. And I'll just be the boring guy. That's fine. No problem. Well, you know, the, th- the difference is, Dave, that that you don't need a backdrop. You've got you and your your friends yeah. just yeah. excited to, to see and hear you. I need the glitz and glamour to back up what is pretty <laughs> mundane you know, subject in front. So um, well, basically, basically you're Pete Carroll, 2020. I'm Pete Carroll, 2019 and beyond, because I'm the boring guy that's just handing the ball off. And you're the guy that's letting Russ cook. And man, our guy, uh, offensive player of the month, dude, today for the NF, for the NFC. And he has never looked better. Right. I mean, I mean, both you and I have to agree that Russell Wilson, and I would say the entire Seahawks offense, uh, there may have been years where they had more talented players, maybe bigger household names on their offense than what they have right now. But I don't know if this offense has ever spent a month looking this good under, under Pete Carroll. How about you? Well, that last statement's a little bit tough because that gets me thinking about some of the great stretches we've seen, especially the end of 2012. and San Francisco. Oh man, that was quite a run there. But but yeah, I mean, as far as Russell himself and the pass offense specifically, I think I think that that's a totally fair statement. And we were getting into a conversation a few of us, uh, you know, to my few of my buddies about whether or not this could have happened a few years back. So Dave, I'm curious your thoughts on is it just as simple as Yep, they made a philosophical change to let this kind of offense happen. Mm-hmm. Or do you think that if they had tried this a few years ago, it would not have worked as well? So I don't I don't think it's a matter of a total philosophical change as far as what they want their offense to look like. I just think it's a bit of a change for what they want their offense to look like on certain downs, honestly, because I went back and looked at last year, for example. We can go back and look further than 2019, but First and second down, they were throwing the ball 72, excuse me, 72% of their passes were coming on first and second down. Now it's at 80%. Okay. I mean, they have really bumped up that number uh, as far as Russell Wilson's pass attempts. Uh, 
it's amazing how much they're letting him kind of just have access to the playbook from a passing perspective earlier as opposed to waiting later. So I think that's really setting these guys up for success. You know, as we said last week, a couple weeks ago, there's been four or five years where Russell Wilson has thrown the ball more in the first two or three games than what he's had so far in 2020, but they're just distributing the passes differently. And I think that's really paying off, man. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and I think that, I mean, we talked as well. Uh, there's other changes too. Um, you didn't have this offensive line a few years ago, even yeah, last yeah. year, right? Uh, yeah. This offensive line's performing a lot differently, a lot better. I don't know if you saw it. Jordan Simmons, backup guard, but he's gotten a lot of time with the Damian Lewis injury, and also he's been rotating with Yapati. Yeah. He is second in the NFL among guards in past block win rate, which is an ESPN stat that basically judges – how long uh, an offensive lineman, how often an offensive lineman is able to hold their block for at least mm -hmm. two and a half seconds, I think is mm his -hmm. metric. So, you know, when is the, when have the Seahawks ever, ever in the Pete Carroll era had an offensive lineman rank second in anything yeah. related to pass block anything? Well, first of all, uh, Walter Jones talking to him this week, you know, he made the great point. He said, look, bitch and moan about the defense all you want, but it feels great to not be complaining about the offensive line. For once, exactly. right? So you'd almost rather complain about something else than the offensive line. And I think, uh, honestly, man, there was a point in time before he got hurt. Was it was it last year or two years ago? The, the years are all blending together when Jordan Simmons got hurt, where I thought this guy was a great up-and-coming player at right guard for the Hawks. So being able to go from Damian Lewis to Jordan Simmons is not a big drop-off. In some ways, they may even be better with Jordan Simmons at right guard than Damian Lewis. So I love that move. And then number two just talking about the offensive line for a second, go back and look at the game winning touchdown to DK Metcalf a week ago, Bruce, uh, excuse me, Bruce, uh, Dwayne Brown was having all kinds of problems during that game with Alden Smith. And there were a couple of you know, uh, plays where Alden Smith was manhandling Dwayne Brown in that game on Sunday. Look at Brandon shell on the game winning touchdown to DK Metcalf, Brandon shell obliterated Alden Smith on the right side of that offensive line. I'm not sure how many people caught that, but that was awesome to see a guy who was basically a B minus or a C plus level free agent in Brandon shell come in there and just destroy a guy that Dwayne Brown, who supposedly is your best offensive lineman at times was having problems blocking. So for me, that moment, Brian watching that was awesome last weekend. I, I couldn't agree more. I, and I, I've said it a few different times, a few different places, but I have, I really underestimated Brandon shell, at least to this point. You know, I was really braced for them to do another thing where they're like, okay, they got the big, strong right tackle who's a better run blocker than pass blocker. And he's going to look a lot like Jermaine Effetti and maybe yeah. a few fewer penalties, but this is not going to be a, a plus player for them. So far, he's been a clear improvement yeah. over what they've been running at right tackle for the last three or four years. So, I mean... Yeah. That that alone, I mean, you you are old enough like me to remember back in 2000, I think it was two. Mm -hmm. Remember the Seahawks pulled in a right tackle. I think he's from the Panthers. Do you remember his name? Uh, you're gonna you're gonna tell it to me, and I'm gonna remember it, but it's, I don't top my head. His name's Chris something, and I'm having to look it up. But uh, offensive tackle. Mm. Seahawks 2002. 
This is proof that we should have show meetings before we do these podcasts. Uh, Chris Terry. Chris Terry. Chris Terry. Yeah. There you go. Yes. So yes. Chris Terry was signed and played right tackle for the Seahawks. And they already had Walter Jones on the left side. And all of a sudden, that offense took off. I, it was such a clear change of how important having two tackles that could pass protect, how that yeah. can affect offense. Yeah. And I'll never forget it. He ended up never recovering to that level of performance in future years. But man, I mean, the Seahawks look like they've got a competent offensive line. They already know they've got a great quarterback. Yeah. How, much, how far do you think they can take this level? How, how long can they sustain this level of play on offense? Well, I just want to go back to, uh, and by the way, Mike Holmgren is on today and I'll ask him about the Chris Terry move. Yeah. This afternoon. So we'll get his thoughts on that. And, Quick plug, Trent Dilfer is also on the day at 4 o'clock. With, uh, oh, nice. with Can't wait to get Trent's thoughts on, on Russell and the offense. But you mentioned that three-game stretch in uh, December of 2012 where the Seahawks, let's face it, they scored 150 points in three games, right? 58 against Arizona, 50 against Buffalo, and 42 against the Niners. Russell Wilson during that stretch was a 63% passer, six touchdowns, two picks, and a 113.5 passer rating. Now he's at 14 touchdowns, one pick, 139, and he's at 77%. So Russell Wilson definitely is having the best three-game stretch I think we've ever seen out of him in his career. I thought you were going to say uh, the back half of 2015 uh, for the Seahawks when Russell had those great numbers when him and Doug were connecting. But this is, I think, from an efficiency standpoint, from the quarterback position, Clearly the best we've seen. That, that three-game stretch, it's crazy to think, Brian, that three-game stretch in 2012, they scored 150 points. Not all that is on the offense. Some of that's on the defense, obviously. Russell Wilson threw the ball. Take a wild guess at how many times he threw the ball in those three games combined. Combined? Yes. They scored, they scored 150 points. How many passes did Russell Wilson throw combined in those games? 57. Wow. He was 36 for 57. Now he's throwing the ball 103 times. So almost double the amount of times that he threw the ball during that three-game stretch. But back to your point about, you know, is this sustainable? Is it sustainable that the Seahawks can be a top-five scoring offense in the NFL? Absolutely. Is it sustainable that, that, that they can average 38 points a game? I don't think so. Can they average 33? Can they average 34? Look, man, the NFL has made it impossible for defenses right now to get after a quarterback. They've made it impossible for quarterbacks to defend wide receivers. So while that definitely hurts the Seahawks defense for sure, it absolutely helps the Seahawks offense, man. I mean, you get a freaking hand on a quarterback's helmet and it's a 15 yard penalty right now in the NFL. And I'm, I'm flummoxed honestly, dude, as to why this is happening in the NFL, because I thought without preseason with COVID hitting that defenses would be way above where the offenses are right now in the NFL. Mm -hmm. That's always kind of the cliche, right? That defenses yep. are ahead of the offense in the early part of an NFL season or a college football season. That's why so many people like to play the under in these early games, but that's not what's happening right now in the NFL. What's happening right now in the NFL is offenses are way ahead of where defenses are. So from that perspective, I think you're looking at a top five scoring offense in the NFL that could easily average 33 or 34 points a game. Question is with the way this defense is playing, is that going to be enough? That is, that is one of the questions. And before we get to that defense and our prospects yeah. this week against the dolphins, um, one of the other big differences between, you know, we said, would this have happened a few years ago or what's different? They right. didn't have DK Metcalf 
um, yeah. as a receiver and, and the combination of him and Tyler Lockett on DK really quickly. I mean, obviously had one of the worst plays you're going to see from a player on Sunday. You've seen some horrible drops through this season. Oh, first game terrible. of the season. He was the only player on the entire team that had any incompletions thrown his way. Every other pass thrown to every other player yep. was caught. And yep. yet Dave, he is on pace of nearly 1600 yards and 16 touchdowns on this yeah. season. Yeah. So, so do you see that as glass half full? Like what can this kid do when he yeah. gets his crap together? Or do you yes. see this as potentially an issue of maybe this guy is going to not be able to sustain what he's been doing? I, I see it as absolutely glass half full and I'll even go one step further. I see it as glass 90% full as yeah. nine tenths of the way full. I mean, uh, you mentioned his projected numbers, which are what again for DK Metcalf right now? A little bit under 1,600 yards, 64 catches, I believe, and 16 touchdowns. Okay, so I would just ask this, and excuse my language, uh, but who gives a shit how many balls he drops? Honestly, <laughs> if he's on pace to put up those types of numbers, if DK Metcalf is going to put up those types of numbers on the, any defense in the NFL, I don't care how many balls he drops. Now, obviously, if he's not dropping balls, the guy's a 2,000-yard receiver in probably 20-plus touchdowns and is in the MVP conversation, if not the MVP of the NFL. So, look, if you want to have a couple of drops like that, like on Sunday, for example, when he got the ball knocked away uh, by Diggs there when he pulled a Leon Lett move, which I, I got a hard time comparing it to Leon Lett because Leon Lett was in the Super Bowl, for crying out loud. This is game three of the regular season, obviously. But you want to do something like that? then you owe me. You owe me a game-winning touchdown catch. And that's what he went out and did. So, I look, obviously, I'd love to see the drops go away. But there's a reason why all of us were comparing this guy to Julio Jones, Brian, because of his stats as a rookie and the fact that both of them have a very similar body size mm -hmm. and they're both fast. DK Metcalf is faster than Julio Jones, by the way. Julio yep. Jones would never be as fast as DK Metcalf is. So as long as he's on pace to have that kind of contribution – I feel like we're kind of splitting hairs if we keep bitching about the drops. It's like well, Michael the, the offsides, man. Michael Bennett was awesome when he was here, but the price you had to pay every now and then the guy's going to jump offsides. You know what? Sign me up. I'll take it right I now. I love that. I love that comparison, but this is, this is what takes us to talking about the defense. So okay. you're right. You take the numbers in a vacuum, but that game, that game is very different. If he scores that touchdown, and because he didn't, and because this defense is as bad as it has been, right? those plays matter. They're magnified. So, you know, I don't think you can obviously just set it aside. So let's just combine a couple of things here in the interest of time. Um, okay. This defense, they're going up against the Dolphins this week. Right. What? And they've got some injuries. Jamal Adams probably won't play. Uh, you know, we might not, we're probably not going to see Jordan Brooks almost for sure. Uh, you know, we may, we probably aren't going to see Quentin Dunbar. Don't know for sure. What do you expect? What, like, what is a, what is a sign of improvement? Yeah. Of hope against the Dolphins with this defense. What are you looking for? Well, my hope is that everybody who's been telling me, including my partner, Dick Fain, that the Seahawk defense is struggling because they faced Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, and Dak Prescott which the Cowboys might be the best collection of skill players they see all year long. Let's face it, right? With it, especially a wide receiver with those three guys. I don't know if there's a group they'll see the entire year that looks like that. So if they're right, then you'll get a bit of a respite, if you will, uh, this weekend against Miami. The Dolphins don't have 
those types of players. They don't have Dak Prescott or Matt Ryan or Julio Jones or Amari Cooper or Cam Newton. They've got Ryan frickin' Fitzpatrick, who never should have looked as good as he did against the Jaguars a week ago. And their wide receivers are all banged up. I think today, Miami, as a matter of fact, only had one healthy wide receiver for their practice uh, in, in South Florida on Wednesday afternoon. So you do get a bit of a break. I do think that people that talk about it being a trap game are right, but the Seahawks can avoid that because they have to go back and look at two things. Number one, uh, be um, aware that they just won on Thursday in Jacksonville. And number two, they have a couple of extra days off against you. And number three, you are going into a place that is a hotbed for COVID. You got to freaking do your job. Don't invite your girlfriends. Don't invite your family to the hotel room. Get in, get a win, and get the hell out. So my point is, is that they should absolutely have the Seahawks' attention, the coaches. It's not like they're looking ahead to a big showdown with San Francisco or a big showdown with Arizona. Right now, they're looking ahead to a football game with a, with a team that's 0-3 currently in Minnesota and then the bye. So nothing should distract these guys from giving everything they've got on Sunday. Okay, I agree with that. And I guess for me, it's, <laughs> it's what is that? what do we need to see from the defense? And, and I'll tell you what, it, what I'm looking for. One, this Dolphins offensive line is probably the worst in the NFL. I don't know if you've looked at them. They are awful, awful, awful. Worse than some of the offensive lines the Seahawks have run out there over the years. So I would like to see, uh, I'd like to see another 10 quarterback hits like the, the Cowboys, at least mm -hmm. 10 quarterback hits. Mm -hmm. I'd like to see at least a couple turnovers. And I'd like to see, um, I'd like to see Shaquille Griffin have at least a couple passes defensed. Like those are the kinds of things that I'm looking for. And overall, I'm looking for the Dolphins to score under 25 points. That's not Ooh. asking a lot. Yeah. I don't think that's asking a lot. Under 25 points is what I'm looking for. So yeah. those would be signs for me that this defense is taking a step forward against what is an inferior opponent. Yeah. If we see another 500-yard game and we see another 30-plus points, yeah. That's that's just unacceptable. It doesn't matter what the reason. I is. totally agree with that. And I would uh, just to take it one step further, I'll, I'll just take Pete Carroll uh, at his word. You know, when he said a couple weeks ago and we'll see because it, does, it doesn't sound like Jamal Adams is going to play this week, by the way, against Miami, yeah. which totally fine with. he wants to sit this one out. Let him sit it out. Right. That's that, that's fine. I mean, it's an Absolutely. it's a freaking AFC game. If you I'd rather kick this game on Sunday than next week versus Minnesota for obvious yep. reasons, because they're conference games. So you want to kick it, then kick it. But um, Pete Carroll talked two weeks ago about getting home against Cam Newton and not being able to wrap up. I thought their technique against Cam was terrible in that game last Sunday. I, I'm, how many guys tried to tackle Cam by his shoulders, by the way, yep. which good luck doing that. So if they can get home and then actually bring Fitzpatrick down, who's not Cam Newton this weekend, that to me would be a sign that, okay, maybe it was just about bad technique against Cam Newton you know, two weeks ago and not about not being able to get home. So that's not, that, that, that's one big one for me. And then number two, I just, look, man, I got to see somebody cover in the secondary. And yeah. I mean, if the defensive line is not going to give you, uh, you know, a pass rush, which let's face it, they are not going to consistently get ever this year. There's no way that's going to happen. It's too late in the game for the Seahawks to plan on a consistent pass rush, I think, at any point in time this year. Uh, if you're waiting until October to you know, make trades or sign street free agents or pick up guys that are cut, all the work that was going to go in the pass rush, Brian, should have been done over the summer and, and not now. Okay, So let's just accept the fact that you don't have a great pass rush. Well, can you cover? 
Can Trey Flowers cover? Can Quinton Dunbar cover? Can Shaquille Griffin cover? I have not seen great coverage skills no. consistently out of this secondary. I want to see that on Sunday. I think that's great. And and the only thing I'll, I'll add to that before we get into how we feel about the game itself and wrap up is, so there's, in my line of work, Dave, we talk about a lot of things like KPIs, right? Mm-hmm. Key performance mm-hmm. indicators. And we talk about leading indicators and lagging indicators. And the, the points scored and, and the yards allowed, those are, those are lagging indicators. Those are things that like, those are the results, you know, how did they do? But a leading indicator that I think is key, key, key for this team mm-hmm. is explosive passes. Mm-hmm. And right now in this game, in this season, Dave, every single game they've allowed 10 or more explosive passes to the opposing yeah. offense. Yeah. They had they had not allowed. I don't. I have to go back and look. I don't believe they allowed ten plus explosive passes three times in any of the previous seasons. I'm not sure. I'll have to go back and check. But it's very rare. So they've done that three straight times. I want to see five or less. That's not an unreasonable thing for this team. Yeah. Against what they're facing, that would be probably the best leading indicator that they're starting to figure out the right balance of blitzing, leaving yeah. coverage on an island. Um, figuring out how to stay on top of these plays no yep. more two play 94 yard drives you know no more of that let's make yeah. the, the offense work so that's a big 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 one to me great point yeah and then look I mean you know the obvious one too would be get the hell off the damn field on third down and the Seahawks are 29th and third down percentage on defense right now well over 50 percent which which isn't good you know really I mean what's what's kind of saved them in some ways is the turnovers uh they yep. actually are eighth in the NFL uh, percentage of drives for the opponent that end in a turnover. Uh, the Seahawks are eighth in the NFL at almost 17%. So one of every five drives the Seahawks face is ending in a takeaway. And uh, that if that stops ever, if that goes away, Brian, they're going to be in huge trouble if that goes away. So that's got to continue to happen. Look, and then, you know, just from a matchup perspective, you're talking about an offense that is the only offense in the NFL this year that is 100% in the red zone. The Seahawks are nine for nine in red zone offense. You know what Russell Wilson's completion percentage in the red zone was a year ago off the top of your head? Any idea? Knowing this, knowing that quarterback completion percentages are usually lower in the red zone because things are tighter, what do you think Russell's completion percentage in the red zone was a year ago off the top of your head? Uh, 55. 49%. Not bad. 49%. You know what he is right now? 92 in the red zone. This guy is a freaking magician, and they're facing a Dolphin defense that has allowed touchdowns on seven of eight red zone trips. So you get inside the 20, got to keep it going, man. You're a great team inside the 20 against a bad team inside the 20. Make him pay every time in the red zone this weekend. That's great. That's great. And, and just really quickly, I'm looking back at some of uh, my own numbers and, and these are, ex- when I say explosive passes, I'm using Pete Carroll's definition. Yeah. And, that's, and that's how many yards or more. By 16 the way. plus yards gotcha. um, is Pete Carroll's definition of an explosive pass. 12 plus yards is an explosive rush. Okay. Um, I am not finding until I get back to uh, I'm not finding a season so far where the Seahawks have allowed more than one team to have 10 explosive passes in a game Mm. wow that includes even last year and so far they've allowed 11 12 and 10 so this is just massively massively different than what they've been doing all right softy um 
before I let you go, anything, uh, how are you feeling about this game? What, what's your expectation? Yeah, I feel good about it. You know, I think uh, my expectation is that the Seahawks have a comfortable fourth quarter cushion uh, on, on Sunday, uh, meaning not what happened against New England and not what happened against Dallas. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned DK Metcalf's drop uh, or the uh, ball he got batted away that, look, man, this defense has not been good, but they found a way two weeks in a row to make a clutch play. Uh, and, a, and, a, and a clutch stop uh, on the last drive of the game, you know, uh, Ryan Neal picking off Prescott and then obviously the big stop against Cam Newton in the Patriot game. So that's how close these are, these guys are to being a one and two football team with the second best scoring offense in the NFL. And uh, before we get predictions from you, I would just ask you this, if they're one and two right now, what's the narrative about this defense in this town right now, if you're Ooh. one and two, I don't even sports. want to go there, man. That's that's uh, awful. That's because awful. people are people are pissed enough already about the defense, and they're three and zero. Oh. What the I hell know. are we talking about? They're one and two. I will tell you, Dave. It's much like our golf games. You know, this te- it is never comfortable. It's never easy. It's a battle the whole way. But the difference between their their level of play and our golf games is there's confidence that they're going to come out and fix it at the end <laughs> you totally. don't, don't have that when we're out there so um you asked my prediction um i've got the seahawks winning this game 31 to 16 um how about you that's yeah that sounds about right to me i would say maybe a 31 21 type game maybe a garbage field goal garbage touchdown for the dolphins but i think uh I think a comfortable fourth quarter cushion, six or seven minutes to go. You're up by, you know, 10, 14 points, if not more than that. So I feel good about Sunday. Uh, and I just think that, again, you know, the, the, this coaching staff should have this football team's attention. If anybody's looking past this Dolphin team, especially after they beat the Jaguars on Thursday and stopped the Minshew train on Thursday night and has a couple extra days off. So uh, if that didn't get their attention, then shame on them. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to have you listening. Uh, please sign up over at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. Uh, we have had, I don't know, we're up to a couple hundred people in there. Um, just growing leaps nice. and bounds. Um, and we've got a special going right now where you can not just have to sign up uh, for $5 a month. You can sign up for less than $5 a month if you sign up for an annual plan. And as you know, uh, we, we donate tons to charity. Um, so Really looking forward to having folks in there. You can get immediate access to our Slack channel where people are in there talking uh, throughout the week about Seahawks. Fun. Um, also, click subscribe, click the little bell to get notified when we go live. Next time you will see us will be, uh, and us being the, the Real Hawk Talk, Hawk Blogger crew, will be after the Seahawks game on Sunday. We'll do a post-game awesome. show. Uh, and then Dave, you and I will be back next week. Never know exactly which bet time or bet channel. We always shoot for Friday, but we'll see how it goes. So make yep. sure you're subscribed, make sure you're no, you get notified and you will see the results. Dave? Really, all of this all of this just depends on weather and whether or not you and I are playing golf. So if we are, then screw you people. <laughs> Kidding. Go Hawks. He's not wrong. Go Hawks. 